everyone. Welcome to the House of Learning podcast. Uh, it's Richard here with Steve and Angela. Hello, hello. A little bit unusual this week because the recording's really long, or I might release it as two, but we've got a B-side this week. Ah. So we are going to look at the first half of chapter 12 of Luke as part of the Becoming Like Jesus series. Um, but the theme is to do with prayer and anxiety that mm. we're looking at this week. And Heather, like her PhD was literally about the effects of anxiety in uh, leadership. Um, and so she's like an anxiety expert. So check that out. Like, check so out the, the B side. side is a little conversation um, with Heather. So, so we're going to go through this a little bit quicker than we normally do. Um, and that's our goal. That's our goal. No, we're going to do it. I'm we in are faith, in hope. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of skim a stone through the text, mm. pick up some of the, the highlights that are in here to hopefully fuel you then like when you sit with your community and are praying about it this week and then talking and wrestling with like, oh, how do I respond to this? That it's enriched, um, yeah, enriched that conversation. So I guess we should uh, do the recap so we're not just diving in because actually some of the themes that Luke has brought up uh, are they, they persistent? They're, they're sort of the momentum is continuing. Yeah, they're persistent. <laughs> um, so we uh, we actually we began last week. We shifted a little bit from talking about simplicity, which was a a way we felt like God was calling our church to respond to the text, to persistent prayer. Uh, again, a way we think God is is calling us to respond. And so last week we had the Lord's prayer, and the disciples questioning about prayer. And then Jesus told that story about someone hammering at midnight for bread on a friend's <coughs> door, you know, and the, and the persistent sort of audacious uh, cry uh, of prayer. And uh, God really then encourages prayer. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus affirms, like the Father, he really wants to give you good gifts. Mm-hmm. And so there's all this encouragement around prayer. But it's interesting as Jesus is teaching them how to be connected to the Father, teaching them what they can expect from the Father, the challenge comes in where people are like, oh, but uh, how are you doing your miracles? How are you casting out demons? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So people are not sure of like Jesus's, the source of his power. Um, and so Jesus has to sort of Seconds lay down the challenge. Straight. Like, you know, I, I, if this is the finger of God, better pay attention Mm -hmm. um and we had uh there's quite a lot of warnings going on as well so uh, you can just catch the tone of like people are misattributing things to jesus they are they've got questions they're confused about what box to put him in and Jesus is like, man, like the Ninevites responded to Jonah and I'm a bigger deal than Jonah. Like Nineveh would yeah. be having words with you guys. And and then he warns the Pharisees as well about the way they're interacting with him and interacting with the law and their, like the kind of expectations they're happy to grab hold of and the kind of expectations they don't want to grab hold of, things like that. So, yeah, it, just the tone of Jesus's ministry at the moment, it just seems like he's getting a lot of, challenges um, a lot of people questioning him mm-hmm. and and like at the end it's just so clear that the, he leaves them with just division it's like it's it's almost like 
and he's fine with this division. When you know, it says when Jesus left there, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, um, waiting to catch him in, um, in something that he might say. So you kind of get this idea. It's like the beginning of uh, this division, which will eventually lead to the cross, and and um, and that's the plan. Mm, that yeah. was God's plan all along. So yeah. we're seeing this kind of polarizing two sides through the woes and the warnings. And then the encouragements. Yeah. Um, yeah. Light and, and dark. Yes, sides. the light and dark theme as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the warning against the Pharisees continues into the beginning of chapter 12. This is one of these, like, the number 12 should probably come a few sentences later. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, and so it, it's a moment where there's thousands of people gathered. It says they're trampling one another. And he said to his disciples, beware of the leaven, like the influence of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So, which we talked about mm. the actual hypocrisy last week. So mm-hmm. you have to go back mm-hmm. to yes. the end of chapter 11 to see what the hypocrisy is. That's okay. But then he says this interesting thing, like he's warning the disciples. I wonder if like some of the disciples had in mind, well, like, well, why don't you just go over there and punch them? Like, why don't you just take them out? You know, if, if that's what they're like. But Jesus is able to see the reality, but the, his response to it is to like warn people. War, like he's actually reaching out and warning the Pharisees, not just condemning the Pharisees. Um, but he knows the end of it is that like truth is going to triumph. Right. And he says, nothing's covered up that won't be revealed or hidden that won't be known. And so he, as well as warning the disciples, lets them know that the end of the story is. Like there will be vindication, there will be justice um, for these things, mm. which is a big Bible theme. Yeah, that that uh, we're not always seeing justice activated in every moment, but that God's care for justice means justice will eventually be vindicated. Like yeah. everything, every injustice yeah. will be dealt with. And so, well, then he shifts gears in in verse four here. Um, and first, first of all, I, I love how this, I don't know, the setting of it somehow just stood out for me, this crowd of thousands gathering around. Yeah. You know, we've gone to this, you know, almost these individuals kind of, you know, chasing after him, and he's talking, giving these woes to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. and But somehow, like, the message he's giving is just attracting people there's mm-hmm. a lot of people there and then in this verse four which is annoying the pharisees yeah because they and yeah. the disciples know that yeah which because you say it shifts gear and it is a shift but it's it's maybe from second to third gear yeah. like it's because i bet they're thinking they're afraid of the religious authorities yeah <laughs> yeah well and, and that's why like i think he's shifting gears to go he's getting at the heart of like he's suddenly you know he sees obviously how powerful a force fear can be. Yes. And that's where he goes next to talk about what in verse four, he says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed um, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you to fear him. So he's trying to steer them. Yeah. Um, Isn't that so interestingly different to our culture? Yeah. Like we are obsessed with wanting to be warned about every risk. 
Mm-hmm. Like the news is constantly filled. You can get alerts on your phone for everything you can be wary about. Mm-hmm. But it breeds fear and anxiety like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And Jesus actually, it's sort of interesting, maybe sees the risk of it going that way. Yeah. Which is the broken human response. Because the mm-hmm. broken human response to a risk is like, well, can I control it? Yeah. The answer is normally either pride, yes. <laughs> or no anxiety and fear. Mm. And then Jesus is actually offering a different way. Mm. And so, yeah, this is really countercultural, but <laughs> it's just interesting that our culture's got so yeah. much of that risk, and this culture did too. Yeah. <laughs> something deeply human about the risk of fear. Yeah. And when he says, because uh, when he says, yes, I tell you to fear him, Maybe unpack that for us a little bit in what he's describing. Because oftentimes when I read fear, um, it's I'm afraid and uh, cautious yeah. of and like run, run feel away and threatened. Hide. And I, that's not quite mm-hmm. what he's saying here, is it? Well, it, I think that's part of the twist on it. Yeah. Because there's a linguistic twist here of, um, you know, uh, well... It's the same word, but the Old Testament fear of the Lord has a different connotation to I'm going to come and get you like bogeyman, be afraid. You know, there's different nuances to the type of fear that's being talked about. So it's a little sort of play on words going on. Yeah. And and that's what I, as I read, I'm like, oh, how like he's just brilliant and how he's using both of these, both sides of that, that range of that word fear and yeah uh, yeah. and and part of i mean i'll give you my little two Mm. cents so that we could do a long conversation (laughs) about the fear of the Mm -hmm. lord part of it is god really is to actually have the first kind of fear as well yeah you know like um he's a big powerful god yeah you know like the the israelites dare not even go close to the mountain because yeah. mm-hmm. they watched what happened mm-hmm. like last time they just blatantly disrespected and disobeyed mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so there's an aspect of that. But the truth is they could have gone on the mountain. Someone could have said, Moses, can I come with you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and Moses did go up the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um God isn't only that kind of fear. And yeah. I think the kind of fear um that joins up with it and and helps it become the healthy whole is the kind of fear where maybe you've got someone you really love and um yeah you you respect them and maybe you buy them a gift yeah and you're just you're just up all night like are they gonna like it is it gonna like i really hope it communicates what i want it to communicate it's like i don't want to let them down a desire to please yeah i don't Um, i don't want to miscommunicate with them i don't want to it's the it's the desire for connection yeah for alignment and and things like that and it is and it's it's more than just respect it's actually it creates a proactivity of Mm. Yeah, it, it's the kind of thing where someone's dating someone and they marry them, and they, you're like, mm. "You've really changed a lot in the mm. last year." And it's mm-hmm, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's that kind of fear actually mm. shaping someone. Yeah. So yeah, 
I think of the quote I love in the Chronicles of Narnia where oh. Aslan is described, um, and he's of course the you know representative of Jesus in yeah. in that story, and um, and he's described Mr. by um, Mr. Beaver. Mr. Beaver, yeah, Susan is asked. Oh no, what is it? no, no it's Lucy. 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 Lucy yes, and she says he he isn't safe, but he is good. Yeah. And yeah. is that about right? I it's think something like, that. something like he it, he's it's not he's not safe. He's the just judge. And for those, I mean, I Lucy doesn't say this, but I now I'm saying yeah. he he's the just judge. So he will he will um, have victory over evil and yeah. all that is evil is not safe under him. Yeah. And, yeah. but he is good. And so it's that fear of the yeah. Lord. I think of the um, Roman soldiers when they're, um, you know, hunting down um, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and um, they, they fall on their faces, you know, mm-hmm. and they, you know, don't have Jesus in their heart, but they still, they still, um, recognize Jesus's authority as God yeah. um, at the mm. time that they're hunting That's him and arresting him. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know, even Satan will bow down. Um, mm. And, um, and, and we should too, because of the fear of his power. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's a, it's a healthy fear. It's not a scary fear. Mm. Yeah. Uh, if fear, you're in scary. Christ, it's yeah. not like Yoda. Like I'm not afraid of Jesus. And right. Yoda's like, you will be. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. yeah. Which, which actually the next bit is a really important ingredient mm-hmm. to the tone. Right. So in the midst of saying, you don't need to fear this, like fear mm. God, what kind of God, mm-hmm. the kind of God. And, and we're going to see this in this chapter again, that values you. Yeah. And so he says, um, you know, aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? In other words, they're two a penny. They're like, yeah. uh, they're, they're just cheap, disposed, like mm-hmm. they're, they're nothing. They're really insignificant. Yeah. And yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Yeah. So this, Jesus does this a lot. He does like how much more teaching. Yeah. He mm-hmm. says, you know, um, well, you understand the goodness of this. But actually, that thing's really small. How much better is, you know? And so he says, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Mm. And so it's sort of interesting. He he redirects, like, the some of those fear responses. Like, should they connect to things in the world? Or if God's caring for you, should they? Can they instead connect to God mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. learn the healthy connection with God? Like that—that's where those things can belong. Which but then you've got to understand that it's the God. Like <coughs> this is who God is to you, and how He's going to interact with mm-hmm. you as you do that. Yeah, and He's been doing that before. That reminds me of just just even what we talked about last week. That hey, if you know how to good gifts, if you who are evil know how to good gifts, yeah. how much. You know, um, what was, what's the passage? Then how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit yeah. to those who ask him? Yeah. yeah. It's always that. Yeah, you kind of get, but God's even. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting in the midst of this conversation, you know, the theme of persistent prayer. Because mm. mm-hmm. um, although Jesus isn't at this point talking about prayer, um, to go interact with my fear of the Lord might involve some prayer, mm, might mm. involve realizations from God, listening to God, giving things to God. Oh. And I think 
nothing I'm gonna say I'm gonna exaggerate maybe there are things that fuel prayer but nothing fuels prayer quite like understanding just how much God actually values you and wants to hear from you Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it's like you watch people who are really good at interacting with children, and it's like, oh man, that kid's so quiet, and they go and sit beside them mm. and start talking to them, you know, and just mm. uh, there's there's something really interesting going on here, um, where we're not being berated into turning to God, we're not being condemned into mm. turning to mm. God but we're actually having like value heaped on us mm. to invite us. Um, it's such an important aspect of this. It's like, oh, I, I, I wish I prayed more because I, I really feel like I ought to. Mm. I, I hear people say that all mm. the time. Mm-hmm. Like, like why, I don't do it enough. I feel so bad about yeah, it. Is what why they say, why right? don't we say more like, I wish I had more time to pray because I just get the feeling God really wants to hear from me. Mm-hmm. 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 Like if we really internalized that and understood that, I Bet we'd have a lot less issues around trying to grow in prayer. Yeah, yeah so this I, is massive. I mm-hmm. love that, and I love that how he's just really affirming the value of all of his children, and and how every voice matters. He wants to hear from us. He's waiting to commune with us, and um, that's the body of Christ too. Like when we get together, I think of like our community groups and other groups that meet here at church, and like just really. Um, that encouragement that we find through this passage of like how every single voice matters to Jesus, every single soul matters to Jesus. And in a conversation at church, everybody's heart matters as they're bringing their contribution and sharing to the group. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just want to give that encouragement to everyone who's listening. If you're the person who maybe just likes to sit and listen and maybe not contribute, perhaps this is a time where you can be convicted um, through this passage to to really understand your value in contributing to the body of Christ in the way um, Jesus is leading you, because you could really bless somebody else um, by giving in that way, by sharing, um, even if you don't have quite the right words, um, just like in prayer, yeah. we don't often have the right words, but but just showing up in that relationship matters. Yeah. So with mm. Jesus and with our community. Yeah. And I think it's universal that people find that hard to do mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the enemy is constantly trying to get us to second guess the value of mm. ourself and what God's doing in our life. Mm-hmm. And so there's always going to be opposition to always. doing that good thing you're every saying. day, every day. But the good news is, as we start to do it, we start to realize, oh, it's okay. Like actually yeah. helps us interact with that mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we see the fruit. I think the Lord is so gracious when He knows we're afraid to step out, and then we do. And oftentimes He will immediately show us why. Um, he prompted us to do that because it encouraged somebody or we now feel peace about that situation that we were maybe holding back and pray, uh, holding back from sharing. And um, I just love how he, sh- he meets us there in in his encouragement when we step out of our comfort zo- zone yeah. Yeah. Um, in a way that's uh, that's um, just beautiful. And actually, it's interesting your mind's gone there because that in a way, relates to the next bit of the text. I, I was going to say, like, as we're talking about this, I th- you know, he might tee up this, hey, you're worth more than many sparrows. And that's 
that's an encouragement, you know, but like this next statement that is this value statement that just blows me away. Cause then he says, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the son of man will also acknowledge before the angels of God, this notion of like, no, the, like we think of angels and we have, you know, there are these heavenly creatures and, we stand somewhat in, uh, you know, in this mystery and, and maybe even in awe of them at times. But Jesus is saying, no, you are who I'm going to brag about, yeah. <laughs> you know, mm. to the angels. I love yeah. it. Um, it. It's not just that, yeah, so I don't know. It's that question of like, okay, what should be seen as a fear or a risk and what yeah. doesn't need to be? Yeah. Where's the security, mm-hmm. you know, how, how do you get it? And it, uh, that, this is like the part of the fear of the Lord is like mm. ev- everyone who like, oh, I, f- I fear God. So I'm going to take a stand for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, I'm going to brag about that to yeah. the angels. Yeah. Uh, like, the, yeah, there's some value and security in that. Mm. But then the the flip side then is yeah. but someone who denies me will be denied. Mm. And so um, the the reverse is true. So but it it, it recenters the actual the risk is yeah. not what people are going to do to you when they take a stand for Jesus. Yeah. The risk is, are you going to take a stand for Jesus or not? Yeah. The risk is not doing it. Yeah. Um, like that, the ultimate thing that matters. I mean, Jesus, he keeps, I mean, in, in a second, he's going to talk about the rich young fool, which yeah. is that kind of uh, parable that shifts our perspective to measuring um, risk, not in the moment, mm-hmm. but across eternity. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just lots of um, interesting shifts of perspective that Jesus is trying to get the people to think about here. I, I had a, a teacher once. It was one of his recurring, persistent messages was he would talk about this um, audience of one that we're mm-hmm. living for. And that's where I see Jesus saying here in, in this is like, Look, this is all these other things you think you've got the wrong perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and the audience of one is who is important here. He's yeah. acknowledging me. Yeah, such good. Know. And uh, yeah, that's such a good phrase. And then the discussion of that sort of like, what's where's the risk, where's the security mm-hmm. continues because it says, someone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Mm. You know, so if. Uh, and, and sort of imagining people questioning Jesus. Right. You know, um, like all, all of the probing, you know, jabbing at Jesus, trying to figure him out. And, um, you know, e- even like people around him crucifying him mm. at the end of the gospel, you mm-hmm, know, then mm-hmm. it can end up turning to him and becoming people right. who become disciples. Look at Paul. Yeah. 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 So, so you have... So you have that dynamic. So the fear of the Lord shouldn't make us into sort of bland, um, oh, well, man, God's so big, I'm just going to, like, a prima facie, with total naivety, um, you know, become a doormat to Mm -hmm. what, you know, it's a sort of zero interaction, zero relational equity version of fearing the Lord. I, I, I think actually questioning and things like that yeah, are really yeah. good. So in, in the midst of talking about the fear of the Lord, 
it's interesting that he feels the need to say like you guys who are probing me like you can still be forgiven you can be someone who part of your journey is against me but that doesn't need to define your destiny Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's talk about this verse 10. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Right. So the part B there is... That. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the part B. And I guess that's the sort of like, okay, so yeah. there's a spot, the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One can be forgiven. One can't. So what's the difference between speaking a word against the Son of Man? And what's this blaspheming the Holy Spirit thing? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's interesting from the sort of context of Luke here, he's just had some people say, hey, what you're doing, isn't that just Satan? Aren't you just mm-hmm. really, you're not from God? So that, and, and and that's like blasphemy is like calling something that's right, wrong, or calling mm-hmm. something that's wrong, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's just, we've we've um, connected the word with like theology. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, is your theology blasphemous? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, w- Which is kind of true, but... It's essentially that's what it comes down to, is being completely wrong-headed about like a core truth. So, so if I can, let me, if I can rethink this, is what he's saying is like, hey, it's okay to sort of have questions, come to me in, in doubt, etc. Come to me because you're coming to me as the source of perhaps those answers. But if you sort, if you're rejecting um, the spirits work through me that uh that there's no power in that and authority in that yeah that's you've you've missed the boat yeah and and your journey can continue it can continue the conversation with god can continue to develop paul's a really good example like imagine Mm -hmm. you know jesus came to paul on the road he has that vision he stops there's the blinding night and jesus says like basically i'm the messiah why are you fighting against me so he is speaking a word against the son of man and jesus is like dude what are you doing and Paul just makes this confession of like, okay, well, if you're God, then what do you want me to do? Yeah. But if Paul had turned around and said, well, yeah, I don't care about the blinding light, I, I still think you're Satan. Yeah. That's a really, that would have been that's actually a super good a, help. attributing what God is revealing completely into the wrong category, yeah. and that is going to completely derail his journey. Oh, yeah. That's and, super helpful. And, and the thing is, like, I, I think... Um, we tend to think of blasphemy as an action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I perform that action, does that now mean like I can never be redeemed? Mm-hmm. But blasphemy is more of like it, Jesus is talking about like a type of person, like a mm-hmm. category of person. Mm-hmm. Part of God's redemptive power is we can change categories. But if you're in the category of being like Paul saying, no, I still think you're Satan, I'm going to go round up all your disciples and put them in prison mm, mm. you know if you're that kind of person then forgiveness is not possible because you the the source of forgiveness is not just jesus and the cross but god revealing himself mm, to mm. you as your savior and redeemer mm. and if if when god's trying to reveal himself to me you're being like no you're the devil then you you fundamentally undercut the possibility of receiving uh, forgiveness and so it, that's a, just another little interesting twist there. Yeah. We, we mm-hmm. tend to think of blasphemy and, and what's being talked to. Because our Western mindset is we always want to judge an action. We want to put things right. in sort of black Does and white Does this categories. cross the line? Or yeah, like where's yeah, the line? Yeah. 
um, where Jesus talked a lot more about trajectories and times. Mm, mm. And is it that he's he's describing sort of the orientation of our hearts? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And when he says we'll not be forgiven, I hear you saying it's not that they'll never be forgiven. It's just that hard attitude because they could turn, like your example with Paul, um, the day before he might have blasphemed Jesus. And in fact, he admits that he was like the worst of the worst. So, but it was on that day that he turned. And so that's who is being forgiven. So yeah. it's not like a never being forgiven. Um, and what about... Um, what about it's some? Kind of, it's kind of like saying that person who will never eat food will not be fed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, uh-huh. You've. You've. It's not that you performed some action that God's like, oh, do you know what? That hurt me so much. I'll never forgive I'm you. I'm giving up on like, you you've completely. You've crossed the line. Mm-hmm. I've given up on you. But it's like God's heart. It, it's almost like when Jesus says, "Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how many times will I gathered you, yes. yeah. but you would not." Yes. So it's it's not the failure, the, the the unforgiveness is not to do with God's attitude of like, well, okay, that's it. Like I'm never forgiving you. Like oh. we're gonna divorce. That's it. But it's it's more of a you will if if that's what you're doing, if if you're blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is doing something and you actually are not just missing it or questioning it or wrestling with it or being even speaking words against it, mm-hmm. but you're actually saying like, no, that I'm going to set my heart to fully withstand that because I think that's actually from mm-hmm. Beelzebub. Yeah. Then you, you've actually like the voice you need to hear to save you. You just turn the volume down to zero. Yeah. So you've sort of cut yourself off. And you're talking about supply. I, I, it's just so interesting because you're talking about Western culture and we always, we want to look at like, where's the line and are we crossing it or not? And in, as we're just discovering this in this conversation, I think it's interesting that the line that's being drawn, there is a line being drawn, but it's actually by the person, not by God, the person deciding they will not. And God go saying, well, then therefore, like, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's God's response to the person's heart. It's not um, the person's, it's not the other way around. So, and there's still hope, like short of, short of the person dying, there's, there's still hope for them to turn to Jesus. So I've met a lot of people who've never had any discussion or teaching about the unforgivable Mm. unforgivable Mm. sin, but they know Mm -hmm. it's a thing. Mm -hmm. And I I, I heard another pastor talk about this it's like yeah you have people come up like oh man like can you just i'd really like to have a chat what's the unforgivable sin it's like often they don't want to have a theology conversation you just need to be like what did you do yeah. <laughs> and the fact that you're worried about what you did uh-huh. probably means the holy spirit's convicting you mm-hmm. that's what it means you're, you're listening to it want to mm-hmm. talk about it mm-hmm. you're not just blaspheming and putting it in this other category so mm-hmm. you're probably fine let's have a pastoral chat let's confess wow. let's see jesus heal you know so I, th- I think the, of there's, I, it's very rarely you'll come across someone who wants to have a conversation about the unforgivable sin who really needs to be worried about the because they wouldn't sin. be worried. <laughs> the irony. Exactly. And because it, it's a catch 22. They, mm-hmm. I, I think of and maybe I'm I won't, I'll, I'll try to find it. But, you know, I think of Pharaoh, you know, and this notion of as his heart became hardened, yes. he would not. So he could yeah. not. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's just oh. like that's the and state of we could do it. Oh man, you've the heart and you've heart opened the can situation. Of words. Oh. Like, oh, so what does it mean to say 
his yeah God hardened his heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wasn't going there, but this yeah. notion of I couldn't, they, he could not. Yeah, you know, and so and and so therefore, like if your heart's in that condition where you can't, like you're not even gonna look as recognize your need um, that you might have done something wrong, yeah, um, et cetera. That well, you're not even is that what he's getting at? You're not even asking for forgiveness yeah. here. Yeah, you know, and that's the blasphemy. Yeah, of it, you can't recognize. Yeah, no. Oh. Oh. Oh, we, we should keep moving. We should because we said, said we're going to be we're quick. Be about half an hour. <laughs> well, the next bit we have the parable of the rich fool, but mm. Tim actually talked about that a couple of Sundays mm. ago. Mm. So we did get some unpacking of this, um, where you know there's the person who's uh, yeah. really concerned. Well, actually, first of all, you have someone come and, and they, they're having like a inheritance dispute, and they want Jesus right. to settle it. Um, and Jesus does the twist of like, I don't know, getting them to re-examine why they care so much about it. Is that the thing you really want me for? Is mm-hmm. that the thing that actually should be the priority that you should care about most? And and we have the then then the parable of the person who's got loads of stuff, and they're like, ha ha, I've got loads of stuff. I'm paraphrasing, uh, and he's like, eat, drink, and be merry. Everything's good. And but then the the last sort of harrowing line. You know, that's what he's saying to himself. But God says to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And all of this stuff, whose will they be? Because all those things he had were of value to him because they affected the things he cared about. Mm -hmm. And what he cared about was eating, drinking and being merry. He he cared about plenty and comfort and and real real like short-term circumstantial gain. Mm -hmm. Um, if he had cared about like eternity, those things would have been of a different value mm-hmm. to him. They'd still have value, but it would have been a really different value. Mm-hmm. And he would have realized that there were some other things he should have been valuing. So it's a really interesting <coughs> parable. But we did we did unpack it and so uh, a couple of Sundays ago. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna breeze through that one. Yeah. Shoot yep. through sure. it onto the end of the section we're doing, uh, which is where Jesus says the profound statement and paul says this a couple of times jesus says it a couple of times yeah. as well so this is this is not like a one-off like oh the, you know maybe that was a this is a point he's trying like, to this make is a thing in the new testament therefore i tell you do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or about your body what you will put on wow yeah scratch my head because <laughs> you know i look at this in this I don't think we're supposed to read this in um, be uh, just sort of abandon. Is this about um, worrying to the point where it's kind of crippling us? Uh, um, and yeah, Heather and I. So. Oh, I yeah. should have said this at the start. This is where, okay. <laughs> this is the B side where we get yeah. into. So are we getting to? We were trying to get Heather, who's she's a, a therapist, and actually yeah. some of her doctoral work was about yeah. anxiety. So, but we couldn't get all of us together. Yeah. So I've recorded a B side about ah. that yes. with Heather. Yes. That will be that will be like it's we'll coming. make this a long recording a or, or mm-hmm. tack it on like mm-hmm. part two. Um, but we talked about this as like not all anxiety and fear are bad. Hmm. If a bear jumps out at you in the woods and you run, like wanting you to run, run is good. And and there's a sort of anxiety which is like, oh, I'm concerned about that. 
oh, that's a problem that needs solving. Mm. Oh, that's something that's going to do this. And, and in being engaged in that way. But then there's a, a at some point, there's some qualities to anxiety where it actually um, can be debilitating. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's one of the really tragic things about the broken human condition is that without Jesus all anxiety, even the best-looking ones, become tainted mm-hmm. into unhealth because our only way of saying how can that problem be solved, how can that risk be averted, how can that be dealt with, is by exercising our own control. Mm. And, or, and otherwise, or, in other words, we have to fix it because there's no one it, else so to do it on and we have no faith. Or, well, I guess it's just going to happen. I suck. I'm going to... I'm going to lose. It's going to be. It's going to be bad. Which is depression. Which can be depression, and and basically is uh, can be a way of uh, devaluing ourselves, mm. or just well, I guess we'll see what happens, where we actually lose our sense of agency because we're called to be partners and bring yeah. order to the world. So some of like the God-given identity of how the kind of things humans are supposed to be gets eroded. Like only with God is there the possibility of like holding, being a bringer of order without being like swamped and overwhelmed mm. by the need mm. for order. And it's God's care and God's provision that helps keep that possibility of healthy anxiety alive. And and it's interesting because that's what Jesus is. I mean, it, he's, he's giving a general lesson about anxiety, but for the people he's got in front of him, who are mostly poorer people, you know, they're day-to-day anxiety is like well you know it's it's great jesus you can talk to me about the you know unforgivable thing but like how am i going to get clothes for my right, kids next right. week like that's yeah. how am i going to put food on the table yeah, yeah. Like, I, though, I mean, it's, so it's jesus is going for the everyday concerns yeah. which is really interesting because he's showing that there is an issue not just like well don't be anxious about whether you'll be a millionaire yeah you know be anxious yeah. about whether you'll eat next week he's like no he actually goes for the will you eat next week yeah and says, like, you don't need to be anxious about that. Because, and the because relates to the thing before of, like, your value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like he just keeps coming back to this um, this incredible value and in just rich love that God has for you. And he just, I mean, throughout Scripture, he's just saying this, over and over in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to ultimately say it he, as he goes to the cross and say, that's actually how much God yeah. cares for you. Um, but you. But even here is this message of you have such value yeah. to God. And not just because before we had the sparrows. You're right. right. Now we have the ravens, God's feed, God and feeds the tulips, them. Um, the flowers. The, the flowers as well like the the so and the uh, the thing i love about that difference is the birds need food to survive god mm. cares about their survival mm. the lilies don't need to be beautiful mm-hmm. but god cares oh, about yeah. their beauty mm-hmm. oh that's great you know yeah. so it's it's really interesting um it's not you know, just our, about our, survival right our vision for what, what god cares about mm-hmm. just got like a big step bigger yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know god actually wants to bring beauty into our life uh, and and it's interesting 
then because a little bit later on yeah he and he's doing that how much more teaching again like you're of so much more value than lilies you're so much more valued than the birds um and so you can expect your father to intervene but but he says oh you have little faith and so it, it sort of highlights that getting the dynamic right where god's god's care is operating and our anxiety mm. is operating differently. Faith is the key there. Mm. Like it's an actual exercise of faith in trusting those things to God. Um, and yeah, like uh, and I yeah, like all the nations of the world. So it's like, hey, God's people have a different way. All the people who are not God's people, they're anxious about those things. But you're God's people, so you have a Father in heaven who cares about you, values you. He knows you, you need these things. And so, and then it's like, so how do we exercise our faith? Yeah. Uh, and it's really interesting because one way to exercise our faith would just be like, well, you know what? Just like, um, just pray and see what God does. Mm -hmm. you know, just to, which we should do. Yes. And actually, like Paul talks about anxiety and says, present your request to God. Mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So that is a thing. But, that's not enough. The actual holistic exchange into the way of the people of God here is to both entrust those things to God, to be active in asking God, but also to seek, seek his, his kingdom. kingdom. And so when we take our, instead of our hands reaching out for those things, it frees us to reach our hands out and reach out for the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is also an exercise of faith. Yeah. And in that place, then we can have the expectation that all these other things will be added. Well, I love just even watching you. And if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see. Yeah, I'm gesticulating with my hands here, mm -hmm. which is but great for that audio notion media. of if your hands are <laughs> closed on these other these worries. He's saying, don't worry about if, but they're closed, tight fisted around those. You don't have capacity even to open up and receive and grab on to the kingdom that God to seek his yeah. kingdom and that he's the father is pleased to yeah. give you these other things. And if you're holding on to these other things, you'll just, you can't grab these things that God wants to yeah. give you. And, and he brings up the heart here. Um, I don't want to miss this. It says, and do not. Set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. So it's more like, what is your heart? Is mm. your heart, instead of your hands, like, what are you holding on to so yeah. tight with your heart? That is yearning. it this worry about, mm -hmm. like, what's the next thing that I need to get, eat or drink? And um, and that letting go of your heart uh, to be able to receive openly what Jesus has, there's a tension there because I think so many of us want to say, okay, like I'll surrender that if I only, if I can see how, see him first and see how he's working and he, he needs to prove it to me. But that tension, bef bef that tension is really called faith of like letting go of that thing, of those preoccupations and, and waiting for him to fill it with all that with the kingdom life. Yeah. Um, and he's not going to show us the kingdom life until we take an act of surrendering. And that's not his withholding. That's it's that catch 22 again. Mm -hmm. of like, mm -hmm. We actually need to step into the freedom yes. of creating space in our heart, space. relinquishing those things, mm -hmm. and God will actually then fill 
with good yeah. kingdom things, which is where the section we're looking at ends with the call that you can step into the freedom and sell yeah. your possessions and give to the needy. And by doing so, you're storing up treasure in heaven. And that it comes back to the heart again of where your yeah. treasure is, there your heart will be. Yeah. You know, do you want to be satisfied by... It's kind of like the rich aren't fall again. Like, do you want to be satisfied with, like, clothing and food? Mm. Or do you want to be satisfied by something that's got like this long-lasting, eternal, indelible value mm -hmm. of investment in the things of the kingdom. Yes. Mm. And so, and that's, I don't know, an interesting twist of that also recontextualizes our concern for like the food, the clothing, the mm -hmm. and lots of other things. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm hearing echoing, like, don't, fear people who can throw you in prison fear god don't mm -hmm, like don't mm -hmm. be anxious about whether you can buy that sweater you wanted that you saw in target so i'm being a bit silly here coming up yeah, with a silly yeah. example but be anxious about like whether you're going to live a life full of fruit that lasts yeah. for eternity and so it's all of these things really vibe with each other like there's a there's a picture of a kingdom oriented life in yeah. here fearing god which is free from the anxiety of the world, resting in the care of the Father, understanding mm -hmm. the way that it's valued by the Father, and it has profound freedom and generosity mm -hmm. and like some of these mm -hmm. other values uh, in it. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting picture coming into focus. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to go away thinking of just, you know, how in praying God, you know, examine where my you know, where you want me, my heart to sort of release mm -hmm. some of these fears, some of these anxieties to, so I can grab that what you want to give me. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's really easy to have anxiety about things that have got a little bit of kingdom to them. Yeah. Like yeah. we've, we've got a, a, an endemic amount of anxiety in our culture. Mm. We've yes. normalized it, right? Yeah. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's, it's how we're sold new products. It's how mm -hmm. we parent our kids or teach them in high school. Or, yeah. you know, it just, we keep using anxiety and fear as a tool to motivate yeah. us. And actually, God has a different way. Yeah. So lots to think about, lots to talk about. So I hope you enjoy thinking about that. Um, Listen to the B-side. Listen to the B-side with Heather. Loads amazing. of amazing insight coming about like the psychology mm, of mm. anxiety and how it connects to the theology around anxiety. So that's really good. And yeah, and go join up with some people, talk about mm. these things, pray about these things, figure out how God has got a way for you to respond to these things mm, this week. Yeah. Have right. a great week. Thank you. Thank you.